0: Warm hello to you all, it's Flinvar here, and if you know Parchment, you must know me. So yeah, we're off on a brand new adventure, and this time we're heading out to the hives where Karen's from, to help Murphy, uh, Gleebles, make a deal that'll help him sell Litrum to people like us. So back out of the city we go, and we happen to bump into the grand stonecutter caravan, this huge procession of gems and valuables the dwarves offer to the emperor so they can govern themselves. It was quite a prize or so thought a bunch of magical criminals who tried to seize it anyway. Unlucky for them, the dwarves are well armed and so were me and my colleagues. We sorted them all out, no problem, and made it up into the mountains. I'm just taking first watch in the freezing cold. Oh, and this massive furry monster is charging us out of the darkness. Something tells me this isn't going to be the peaceful sales trip I was hoping for.
1: And welcome to the terrible adventures of the Janice and Breffords Parchment Company. My name is Penny D and I am your DM. And if I could embody just one style of fashion, I think I would choose skater punk because oh, the boots, the leather jackets, the high socks, the skater dresses. Oh, I just love it. And I actually did used to be a skater. And I think if I could like dress like that all the time and stand near skateboards, people would think I could still do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the truth though, the truth. Hi, I'm Poppy, I play Ida for the Tiefling Rogue, and so this one's a little bit hard, but I kind of, I wish I could embody a bit of, it's called tech core, and it's like a very futuristic look, Ooh. but I also really like the cute like Lolita style fashion, so I, like a weird mix between the two, where I'm kind of a bitch and kind of really sweet. So like so tech, um, tech
1: Lolita, futuristic Lolita type, <laughs> I'm into it.
2: yeah. <laughs> also, I do
1: think that you need to update your introduction because technically you're either for the Tiefling rogue druid now, so we probably Ooh. need to <laughs> keep an eye on that.
2: True, true. But he's, he's still a... He's, he's but a small druid, yeah. He'll get there.
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm Nate, and I play Flinva the halfling bard, and I would like to do... Yeah, I really love steampunk, but <gasps> I also Ooh. want, like, a comfy, chic version of steampunk, so it's not always, like, I'm in my fancy waistcoat. It's, like... I've got my cool cool kit, but I'm just in my parlor having a a nice (laughs) smoke.
3: Yeah. That sounds comfy. My name is Stephanie, and I play Frankie, the human artificer. And the fashion that I'd like to embody is probably Chinese street fashion. Ooh, Like, you've seen, like, those videos, like, on TikTok and shit, and they're just, like, walking, and they're just so confident. And, like, I'm like, oh, man, yeah, I'd love to look like that
1: what can you describe that to me because i don't have tiktok so i don't know what chinese street (laughs) fashion is on tiktok like what what do the shirts look like
3: (laughs) it's almost like high fashion but it's for like everyday doing stuff like oh yeah i'm just gonna pick up my dry cleaning but like i'm a model also
1: Okay, nice, I'm into it.
3: And it's also a little bit of the attitude as well.
2: Like, you have to have the attitude. <laughs> You're just like, I don't give a crap about anyone.
4: My name is Liz, and I play Karen, uh, your favorite dwarf barbarian. And, well, <laughs> I love fashion. And I, d- I don't always express it in my clothing, but I love doing I love doing the fashions, and my fashion style is always changing. At the moment, I'm really feeling like the '60s mod style, with the little um, swing with the little swing <gasps> dresses. Oh, cute! I think yes. it's so mm-hmm. cool, yep. and the bright the colours and the, the the bold patterns. But I also listen. I went to I went to a fancy school, and we had a fancy uniform. So I always have a soft spot for like clueless style prep school.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, the plaid, <laughs> yeah, the little
4: ties the the high socks it's it's all there the mary janes i'm there i'm here for it
1: well um unfortunately while i'd love to talk about this a whole <laughs> bunch more this isn't a fashion podcast this is a D&D podcast so how about we go ahead and we continue with uh hivewood bound part 2 how's everybody feel about that
0: oh Let's pretty go. nervous yeah pretty good. <laughs> good ready to rumble
1: so flyn <laughs> you are currently being charged down by an enormous, shaggy white beast. Mm. Everyone else in the carriage is either asleep or resting. What do you do? Um,
0: <laughs> I'm going to holler at that girl. So he's going to be like...
2: A fuzzy beast, arise! There's a fuzzy beast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so without any any other context, those of you who are currently in the cart, Murphy's in there too. Um, how do you respond to Flynn doing that? Do you think he's rehearsing for a play, or is this <laughs> is it go time? Karen says,
4: "What on earth?" And she's kind of waking up and rubbing her eyes. <laughs> Is he, is he trying to summon us outside to look at a dog or something?
2: Did, did someone say dog? Oh, I'm out there. <laughs> Idafer's straight up
1: and he goes outside. Idafa, you see an enormous yeti charging towards the carriage. Uh, and when I say enormous, I mean like three times bigger than a human. So I was like three times taller than you, Idafer. Whoa. Um,
4: um, um, th- th- this isn't a dog.
1: Roll for initiative, everybody.
4: <laughs> <Woo>! Okay. <laughs> uh, Karen got an 11. Flynn got a 9. And Ido got an 8. And Frankie got a (laughs) 7.
2: These rolls, these (laughs) rolls, man. Yeah, I'm not feeling too good.
1: Hopefully you got your low rolls out of the way now, because this is going to be a bit of a challenge for you guys.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And Murphy got a 6, so Murphy's going to go last. (laughs) Okay, so it is the Yeti's turn first, because Yeti got a 19. Well done. Cool. So, uh, Flynn, I realise that I have kind of been picking on you a little bit, but... (laughs) You were the one who chose to be on watch, and I promise you I'm not just like every attack is on Flynn now. But (laughs) you were the one that he saw at the very beginning. So he is going to charge at you. Uh, He has a 40 feet movement speed, so he is going to run all the way to you. And he's going to do a multi-attack. Oh, okay. He's got plus 11 to hit, so let's see how we go with this.
3: Oh, plus 11?
1: Yeah, plus 11. A 19 and a 30.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that, that hits
1: both of those hit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and roll my damage. 2d6 plus 7 plus 2d6 cold damage. Oh dear. So you take uh, 17 slashing damage <laughs> and 9 cold damage. And then part of his multi-attack is he also has an ability called Chilling Gaze, which he's going <coughs> to use on uh, on Idifer, because Idifer's the only other person that he can see. Idifer, can you make a constitution saving throw, please?
2: Oh dear, okay.
1: <clears throat> Ugh... Okay, unfortunately you are going to take some damage from this, so you are going to take 66 cold damage and then you're going to be paralysed unless on your turn you can roll to fight the paralysis.
2: Okay, I was just wondering, is this something I could use Hellish Rebuke as a reaction?
1: Yes, even though you are paralysed as part of this, you can go ahead and use Hellish Rebuke if you want to. So you take 22 cold damage. Good lord. Okay. And you can go ahead and do Hellish Rebuke now. Do you have enough Electrum to do that? Oh that's a good point actually because now we're really that short is a on good Electrum. Point. Oh no, it's Hell Tribute. Oh, yeah, oh, and course, you don't yeah. need it. Yeah, that's right. Everything is okay. <laughs> so nineteen fire damage. Ooh. 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 Really nice. Okay, so Rotes just me. a little bit of a heads up that now that you have done fire damage to it, the Yeti has an ability called Fear of Fire. If the Yeti takes fire damage, it has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability ticks until the end of its next turn. Ooh. Good. Interesting.
2: And I'm paralyzed. You are paralyzed.
1: So at the beginning of your turn, you can repeat the saving throw. And if you pass, and I've got a DC for it, if you pass, then you still get to have your turn.
4: Okay, sweet.
1: Uh, Karen, you're up.
4: Okay, so Karen is going to run out. And as she runs out, she uses her bonus action to summon the temperate great ax
1: I'll just remind you that it's a free action unless you also plan on dismissing it in the same turn.
4: Oh, okay, cool. Sick. So I use my free action to summon my temperate great axe, and I'm going to run straight at the Yeti.
1: So you come down the stairs, and you go past Idafer. like there's like a small, you know, like tent zip area where you can go outside of the little tarp that's been pulled down, and you see this enormous, like, and for you, it's probably like (laughs) six times taller than you, big Yeti that just like did a big hit on Flynn.
4: And um, she says, oh, that's not a dog. (laughs) And she's going to, if she can reach it, of course.
1: You can reach that 35 easily.
4: Sweet ass. I'm going to do a big hit with the temperate great ax I'm not going to pop rage because I only have one electrum left. (laughs) Oh, natural one. Jeez Louise.
1: Uh, Can you just roll me just a straight D20, please?
4: Of course. Oh, and that's a two.
1: It's a bad fumble.
4: Karen is in her pyjamas.
1: Okay, uh, you trip over. You are prone and you drop your axe. Oh no, no.
4: her little fuzzy slippers. Why she
1: pack PJs? <laughs> Okay, that's Karen's turn. Uh, Flynn, you're next.
0: Okay, so Flynn is going to cast fireball at this giant fluffy Hell yeah. yeti, seeing how it got affected by Ido's... Attack.
1: Yeah. Okay. So part of Fireball is the fact that there's quite a large blast radius on this. So are you going to cast it like 20 feet away from you so that it only hits the Yeti and not yourself? Yes.
4: Yes, please. I'm falling over.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, what is the spell save DC that I have to get? That's 15. And do you have enough Electrum to cast this because it's a third level spell? Yes, I do. Okay, uh, and wh- it's a dex saving throw. So I rolled, let me see, I rolled 14. So yeah, it, it goes all the way through. So go ahead and roll me 8d6 fire damage, please. Oh. 30 wow okay nice oh thank goodness flynn you take a big slash from this yeti like it runs out of nowhere and slashes you and does some kind of magic at idava and then karen falls over and you're like what the fuck (laughs) and so you just like remembering how you did it before when you threw the necklace beads you like do the same thing you've got kind of an idea of like how big the explosion's gonna be so you center the fireball about 20 feet away from you and there's an enormous big fire explosion and it does melt all the snow within that radius as well. So there's like a <laughs> bare rock 20-foot uh, radius sphere just outside the area of the caravan. Okay, Ido, you are up. Okay. So go ahead and roll me a constitution saving throw. Oh, no.
2: That doesn't look like I got it. I rolled an eight.
1: Sorry, but Unfortunately, you are still paralysed. Frankie, you're up.
3: Frankie's going to, like, stumble out of the tent because, you know, it's Frankie. And he's going to be like... I thought there was a dog here, or is that a dream? (laughs) And he's gonna look up. He's like, "That's the biggest dog I've ever seen." But (laughs) like, seeing that people are like fighting, he's gonna be like, "Ah, I guess we're killing dogs now. I guess." Oh my God! So he's going to, (laughs) he's going to cast a flaming sphere. Okay. So uh, he's got his little like bracer on, and he's gonna cast it like a fishing pole because Frankie's totally been fishing and so it's going to be a five foot diameter sphere of fire appears in an unoccupied space of my choice so it's going to be next to like on the left side of the Yeti. Okay. And he has to make a dexterity saving throw.
1: Cool. I'll do that now.
3: DC 15.
1: 12. Fail.
3: Okay. So he takes six fire damage from Frankie. Nice. Nice.
1: Good job. Okay. By the way, where are you positioned? So just so we're all on the same same idea, Flynn was sitting just outside of the tent, and him and the uh, Yeti are right there. Karen is quite close by, because she would have had to be in melee range when she rolled that natural one, so she's close by lying on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Idafa is paralyzed halfway in, halfway out of the tent. Um, Where are you going to be positioned, Frankie?
3: Probably to the, like, not, like, right in front of everybody, just maybe off to
1: the side a little bit like 10 feet past idifer yeah yeah okay cool murphy is next murphy is going to uh push past idifer and he looks out and he's like oh no this is not what i wanted today and he's going to produce a two-handed glowing purple sword (gasps) you've seen this once before he he charged out of his uh, shop holding it once upon a time but he's going to run up to the yeti and he's going to do a melee attack he rolled a 17 so let's see if that hits Yes, 17 Ooh. does hit. So he's going to go ahead and do it is so it's 1d10 and it's it's a glowing purple sword. It does force damage instead of slashing damage. Nice. Oh. So he rolled he rolled max. That's very nice. Go you Murphy. So he rolled 1d10. So he got 11 force damage on this guy.
4: Hell yeah.
1: Uh, and he's holding a glowing purple sword that's casting like just a gentle purple light it's not an amulet weapon it's just a sword that does force damage instead of regular damage so don't go thinking that he's got himself his own his own amulet
4: (laughs) i wouldn't put it past him though it's more of a light lavender
1: okay it's the yeti's turn the yeti is going to do uh two claw attacks on karen so he gets Oh, no. You are prone, so he's going to have advantage on those. Oh, yes. Does a 27 to hit?
4: (laughs) Yes, a 27 does hit.
1: Cool. And the other one is going to be... Ooh, a 3 and a 4. Does a 15 hit?
4: A 15? Yeah, a 15 does hit also.
1: Okay. So each of these is 2d6 plus 7 slashing damage and 2d6 cold damage. Mmm cool so that's gonna be do you only have resistance to damage while you're raging or is it all the time
4: it's while I'm raging yeah
1: okay so it's 14 slashing damage and 7 cold damage
4: 14 and 7
1: uh, and he's gonna do that same attack again on you uh, 10 slashing damage and 7 cold damage Mhm, mhm. and he does a big roar Yep, yeah, cool. Uh, so next up is going to be Karen.
4: Yay! Well, Karen's looking pretty bad, actually. She was wearing her nice pyjamas. They were like a nice light blue, and now they're covered in blood. And one of her fluffy rabbit slippers is stuck in the snow, and she's only wearing one now because she fell over on them. <laughs> <laughs> so she, I'll take my half my movement to get up. Yep. My great axe, luckily, is still out and I'm going to take a wild, bloody swing at this thing as I pop Rage, because now I'm angry, because I got hit. Ow! Ow! <laughs> That's a 16 to hit?
1: 16 hits. Yes!
4: Oh my god, okay, fantastic. So a lovely little thing that the temperate great axe can do is I can use my bonus action to add 1d6 fire damage to an attack per day. I can also do cold, but I don't think that cold would work against a Yeti. So that is a... Uh, that's 14 damage and six of that is fire.
1: Very nice.
4: Woohoo!
1: Nice work. Do you get a second attack?
4: Oh yes I can! I can make two attacks on my turn. Sorry! Do it! <laughs> yeah! I hit it again! Kill him! I got an 11 so it doesn't hit.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, eleven is a miss. <laughs> Flynn, you are up. I know you're next.
0: Cool. So Flynn's going to dash in and just straight hit with the laughing blade. So my attack, my attack bonus plus my dex plus my charisma. Yeah. I like this sword. I didn't use it for ages. I rolled twenty one.
1: Ooh. Yeah, twenty one hits.
0: Nice. Okay, so he's going to
1: chop for the knee. Cool, yeah. So roll your regular damage and add then plus four for your charisma as well.
0: So 1d6 plus eight. So that's
1: nine. Would you like to do anything else with your turn?
0: Yep, so I give Idafa a against inspo.
1: How do you inspire him?
0: So I'm like, you've got this. It's just like a big dog. You know you want to pet it. Or at least (laughs) we could have this for dinner. (laughs)
1: Yeah, okay, so uh, Ido, it's your turn. Frankie, you're next. Cool,
2: just confirm with Bardic Inspiration, can I roll first and then decide if I want to use it? Yes. Cool. Ah! Like well, it's not even worth me using it. Yeah, mm.
1: unfortunately, probably not. What did you roll?
2: Ido, I rolled a, th- uh, a two plus one, so three. He rolled well, three.
1: If you think that adding eight to that, making it a total of 11, will be enough, you can use your Bardic Inspo dice, but maybe it might be better to leave it for next time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna leave that for now. (laughs) Yeah, sorry
1: bud. Frankie, you feel a calm tingle wash over you. Uh, Roll an Arcana check for me.
3: Ooh, Ooh, Arcana. I'm good at that. That's a 12.
1: Yeah, it is a familiar feeling. It's like the feeling when an Electrum Coin dissolves in your hand, only it's like your whole body is bathing in that feeling. And I'll just give you a little mechanical idea of what's happening. You can cast spells right now. Oh. What, mate? Without paying Electrum.
3: Oh, okay. Ooh. And is there, like, sort of anything
1: around? Roll Perception.
3: 12 again.
1: There is nothing that you can see that is causing this feeling. Ooh. Oh. Interesting.
3: Is this one of those feelings that, you know, when your body's changing and... <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is not puberty-related. <laughs>
3: Second okay. okay, Frankie would just say like, hey guys, I feel a little strange. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I'm Electrum.
1: What? Is Flaming Sphere like a continuous concentration spell? Or does it only last for one turn?
3: Uh, it's concentration up to one minute.
1: Cool, so you can keep that going, but you can also do like a non-concentration spell and just cast it, unless something happens, but I'm not going to tell you what that is unless you do it.
3: Oh, mm. <laughs> Wow, okay, I wasn't prepared for that. Uh uh, uh I don't actually have any other spells that the hurdy ones. So what I'm just gonna do is just like feeling a little bit like oh yeah, I feel a bit more confident. I'm going to ram the spear into the Yeti.
1: Okay. I got an eight. <laughs> uh,
3: okay, cool.
1: Yeti doesn't have good decks. <laughs> Nine damage? Yes. Alright, are you gonna do anything else with your turn?
3: I, I would just like to mention anyone who can move. Like, maybe come come stand next to me, guys. Or, I don't know, maybe I'm just special. <laughs> Frankie is very special.
1: Are you going to move, or are you going to do any no, other...
3: No, Frankie's going to stay right here. <laughs> he thinks
1: this is the sweet spot. That's fine. So next up is Murphy. Murphy's going to sheath his sword, and he's going to run up, and he's like rubbing his hands together and you can see as he's rubbing his hands together that they're actually catching fire because he's a fire genasi he is going to do the burning hands spell a thin sheet of flames shoots forth from his outstretched fingertips so he like rubs his hands together to make heat and then he's going to shoot fire uh, in front of him so the yeti is going to make a dexterity saving throw he gets 17 so it's only half damage it's 3d6 fire damage so it's gonna take eight fire damage and the yeti's fur is singeing and like there's little bits of fire like it doesn't light him on fire but it does like really singe his fur i just lost how to do math for a second i'm yeah i'm good i'm good i got it i remembered how to add numbers together that's good that's always good and then murphy's like that's right you guys we're pushing it back keep fighting um why is it staring at me? <laughs> uh, and the Yeti indeed seems to focus in on Murphy and its beady eyes suddenly only have a, having attention for the fire genasi. Oh, oh no. But next up is going to be the Yeti. It is going to run at Flynn and do a multi-attack. Uh, so it has disadvantage. 16 plus 11, 27. Yes. Yep. 27 hits. Um, mm-hmm. So... Sixteen slashing damage and six cold damage. Oof! Not dead yet. <laughs> and then he's gonna do uh, another. He's gonna do one another one of those slashing attacks on Karen. Oh no! Oh, he rolled a net twenty, but he also got disadvantage and rolled a two. Yay. So does a thirteen hit you, Karen?
4: Uh, um, oh, mole meets beat, so it does.
1: It does hit you. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, honey.
4: He's got a big plus,
1: huh? He's got plus eleven to his yep, melee attacks. Yep. So that is four plus seven, uh eleven slashing damage and eight cold damage. And I believe because you are raging this turn, you have resistance to all of that. Oh yes, I do. So five slashing damage and four cold damage.
4: Woof, woof or a woof a duffer a Okay.
1: But you notice that while it's doing these attacks on you, it is still staring at Murphy. <laughs> Interesting. Karen, you're up.
4: Hmm. Okay, well, as I don't have any more uh, Electrum, uh, the rage drops and uh, the kind of blue flames that were kind of shooting out of Karen's body just kind of peter out. And she hefts the Temperate Great Axe and goes in for another big hit with a 25 to hit. Yeah. 25 hits. Fantastic. Woo-hoo. So that is an 11 slashing damage and then I'm going to do that again. Go ahead. Oh, the second one was a natural one.
1: Roll a d20 for me.
4: Okay, that's a 16.
1: Okay, so it's not as bad of a fumble as last time. Mm. You're just going to miss your attack. You are not going to uh, have any like fumbles applied to you uh, this time around.
4: That is okay. Uh, Karen is very injured, so she she can only heft the great axe for one big swing, and the other one kind of peters out and.
1: I will say that your feet are getting very cold, and that is why you missed your attack because you <laughs> didn't quite plant yourself properly. Because you are bare ass feet in the snow.
4: Yep, they're they bare feet in the snow.
1: <laughs> okay, Flynn, you're up. Otto, you're next.
0: How far away is where Frankie's standing from where I am?
1: About fifteen feet away.
0: If I leave where I am. Will that give the Yeti an attack of opportunity?
1: It will.
0: Ugh. Okay. Well, I'm just going to squat down where I am and then drink a healing potion because I'm a bit... I've got seven HP left.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, healing potion's a bonus action, so go ahead and heal yourself for that. Cool. And then you can still take an action. Nice. Okay, sweet. Oh, no. Cool. Oh. Oh. Uh, cool. uh, the, the, unfortunately, oh. the liquid in the potion oh. is uh, a little bit frozen. How much healing did you get out of that? One, didn't I? I'm pretty sure a healing potion is one d8 plus two, so you should okay. you should have three <laughs> healing out of that. Okay, so I'm back up to 10 hp. Hopefully, uh. the yeti can't do th- can't do more than three damage in one attack.
0: <laughs> so that was my bonus action. So for my other action, then I'm going to cast fireball at his
1: eyes i have two questions for you yes mm, do you have three more pieces of electrum yes and do you have another third level spell slot yes okay and also if you cast it at his eyes you're going to hit everybody yeah because oh. it, it explodes in a big big radius so if you cast it on him everyone's going to take a bunch of fire damage
0: oh okay if i cast it so that it's above our heads but pointing down at his eyes but from like f- a little bit back
1: I mean that's a pretty good strategy really because he's about 3 times taller than even the tallest one of you so that's not a terrible idea. Mm. Yes yeah, so I will go ahead and roll a dexterity saving throw. Roll badly. I rolled a 17. Oh <sighs>
4: fuck. <Oops. clears throat>
1: sorry <laughs> i already did our f-bomb this episode you guys <laughs> uh, so go ahead and roll your roll your damage and i'll just take half that but you're at disadvantage right no not saving throws it's attack rolls and ability checks
4: and um she's not at disadvantage yet because it hasn't taken fire damage this round yet
1: not since its last turn no oh true Wishful thinking.
4: okay so 26 damage
0: so at least if i get hit i'm making a difference before i fall over
1: yeah, good call. Good call. <laughs> that's a good amount of damage you guys have done on this thing so far. This thing is supposed to be, like, way out of your guys' league in terms of its CR rating, mm. its challenge rating. And you guys are really kicking into it, so that's pretty good. You forgot we had so much fire. <laughs> Idafa, you are up next. Go ahead and roll me a constitution saving throw. Oh, oh, my God. You can add your inspiration dice to that if you think it'll make a difference.
2: Ugh. Yeah, well, will. 1d8, right? Yeah. Roll Good. Thanks, mum.
1: <laughs> What'd you get?
2: I got a one.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, eight is not enough to break paralysis. On the good news, in three more turns, it would have run out on its own. So you're doing great. Thanks. <laughs> Frankie.
3: Frankie is going to look over at Flynn. Uh, you're still quite hurt, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I'm at 10 out of 60.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So, he is going to cast Healing Word.
1: Ooh, okay. Thank you.
3: And Frankie's just going to be like, Fe- feel better as he casts it <laughs> for eight healing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, as a bonus action, I am going to ram the Flaming Sphere at uh, Yeti Boy.
1: Oh, nice. You can do that for a bonus action. That's awesome. Yeah. By the way, you did not have to use Electrum to cast that healing word, mm. and you felt like that tingly feeling around you, like you you channeled that ooh. into healing for Flint. Oh, okay, cool, cool.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm like, ooh, I feel all tingly, guys. Thanks, Frankie. Is this normal?
1: Uh, he rolled a 19 for his saving throw against Flaming Sphere.
3: Uh, then it's half damage, so two damage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, fire damage is fire damage, babe. Take it. Uh, Yeah. Damage, damage. He's just mildly annoyed. (laughs) Okay, so this thing is taking quite a lot of fire damage. It looks quite damaged. You can see it bleeding a little bit. You can see big, singed pieces of fur. So uh, Murphy's up next. Um, He's going to redraw his glowing purple sword, and he's going to swing at it, and he's going to roll a natural one. Okay, so he's going to... (laughs) He's gonna swing his sword and the Yeti like knocks the sword out of his hands and he does zero damage. (laughs) And he's like, oh no, because the Yeti's still staring at him even after all of this. (laughs) So it's the Yeti's turn. The Yeti's going to grab Murphy with both hands and pick him up. Oh Oh, no! And then it is going to do an enormous roar. The roar (laughs) echoes off into the darkness, bouncing off peaks and rocks, layers of screeching sound hitting your ears over and over. Yeti with a struggling Murphy grasped in one paw leaps away from the combat, up the hive hexes and out of sight of anyone lacking dark vision. Mm-hmm. Those of you who can still see it, roll perception.
4: Karen can't see shit. She's she's face down.
1: It's very cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. What did you roll?
4: Uh, Karen rolled a nine. Ido can't move, but Ido rolled a 23.
1: <laughs> Ido, you see it like pop its head over the top of the ledge <laughs> and peer over cautiously at all of you, then it looks up the closest mountain before disappearing from view. Oh, Guys, it's gone. Thank goodness. Well, you'll be like, guys, it's gone. Because you can't can't open your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Karen's
4: going to kind of desummon the great axe and kind of shakily go to grab her slipper and put it on. (laughs) She's covered in blood and her nice little pyjamas all ripped. And she says, it took Murphy. We have to go and get him back. And she's going to kind of look down at her pyjamas and she says, well, I can't get him back looking like this. <laughs> and uh, she's going to kind of stumble back into the, into the caravan, into the tent.
1: <laughs> Roll a perception check, everybody.
4: Uh, Karen rolled a 12. Ida rolled an 11.
3: 16. Frankie rolled a natural 20. Nice.
1: Flynn and Frankie, you feel a low rumble. Uh, more, more a feeling beneath your feet than a sound. Uh, within seconds, it grows to a shaking.
3: What is that? <laughs> is
1: this-
3: is this still part of the tingly feeling or is this-
1: <laughs> I'm so confused. Idafer, it's now been up a, a minute and your paralysis ends. Whoa, oh god, guys, wh- what are you talking about? The ground. It's- it's rumbling. Now everyone can feel it. The rumble beneath your feet causes you all to look uphill. As though in slow motion, a wave of snow and ice is tumbling towards you, consuming everything in its path. Oh my god.
4: You can hear Karen because now she can feel the rumbling. She is... She she comes from here. She knows it's an avalanche. And you can hear her yelling from inside the caravan. She says, Get in! Get in the caravan now!
1: Don't have to tell me twice. You each have time for one single action before the avalanche hits you.
0: Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll dive. I'll
4: also dive into the carriage. And Ka- Karen will close the door behind them.
1: <laughs> Good idea. Close the door. Don't want anyone to fall out. <laughs> Before you can do anything else, the unforgiving force of nature is upon you, just immediately breaking the carriage apart and tumbling you all over and over and over until your bodies go limp and your vision goes black. Yoda, Penny here. I hope you're enjoying the first steps of our new adventure. After a bit of messing around with some sustainability ideas, we've decided to set up a JBPC Patreon which should be ready to launch in February. For those of you who don't know, a Patreon is a subscription service where people who enjoy art and creative projects can sign up to give a small donation to the creator. We've chosen this rather than taking on ads for the show. If you like the show and you're keen to help us keep getting better, keep an eye on our social media. We'll post out when the Patreon goes live. The money raised will go towards paying someone to take on some of the editing as well as a bunch of the costs for hosting and things like that. There are a bunch of different donation tiers you'll be able to sign up with for different rewards and I've got many ideas for bonus Patreon exclusive content. If you can't or don't want to donate, no stress there, the main show will still be released for free for everyone at the same schedule. If you're listening to the show on Spotify, you should know that they've recently enabled podcast reviews. We would really appreciate it if you would stop by our main channel page and leave one. You don't even have to type anything, it's just a quick click on a star rating. How easy is that? Music credits, thanks to Bobby Richards for Nineteenth Floor, Josh Pan for Awful, Patrick Patrikios for Beside Me and Voices, and Joan for Cumbia City, Nico Staff for Fast and Run, RKVC for Nightmares In, and Joan for Time to Despair, God Mode for Traversing, and Jeremy Black for Watch Your Back and West Bad. As always, our social medias are Facebook.com slash Janison Breffords Podcast and at JBPC Podcast on Twitter. Go ahead and send us a like if you want to say hello or talk about the show. Episode 25, Hivewood Bound Part 3, should release to the general public on January 30th. And as for what I meant by general public, well, you just have to check out that Patreon, won't you? Ah, enough with the Meta Mysteries. Back to the show.
2: This adventure's going great
1: so far. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone roll a nature check for me, please.
4: Karen rolled a 17. Uh, Idafer rolled a 10.
1: Clint rolled an 11.
3: Frankie rolled a not natural 20. Nice. Frankie read those mountaineering
2: books, man. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Now to put on my crampons. <laughs> I knew these would come in handy. <laughs> Idafer. Yes.
1: It's cold, and you can't move. Your body hurts. You are in a total daze as you feel strong arms scoop you up from under your arms and pull. You vaguely register a voice muttering to itself as you begin to lose consciousness again. Ah, you'll be alright, come on now. Blasted all this is a right mess. Ah, Where the bloody pits are ya? Karen and Frankie. It's the crackling of burning wood that awakens you. You stir, confused for a moment before your eyes crack open, suddenly very aware of where you were before you lost consciousness. You sit up groggily, pushing animal skins off yourselves, and finding yourselves in a small cave. Not the perfectly carved hexagons you've seen on your journey, but a naturally occurring cave. Roll Perception. Karen rolled a
3: 9. Frankie rolled a
1: 16. Karen, you're still a little bit woozy. Mhm. Frankie, you're able to take in your surroundings. The cave has a mostly flat floor, is gently lit by glowing blue mushrooms. At one end is what looks like an opening that is blocked by a thick wall of snow and what looks like splintered pieces of your cart. The other end looks like it extends further underground. Very near you is a very small orange fire doing its best to warm the freezing space. Sitting across the fire from you is a skinny, frail-looking person wrapped in a fur coat, watching you. They have dark purple skin, pointed ears, and long white hair. They are holding a short pole, at the end of which sits a metal pot over the fire. They bow their heads submissively as you sit up and look around.
3: I, first of all, like, look to check to make sure the others are okay, or where they're at.
1: You can only see Karen.
3: Karen? Where, where are we?
1: What's going on? <sighs> Darling, I, I don't, I don't know. Where are the others? Are you asking the purple man or are you asking Frankie?
4: She's just kind of asking the the cave at large.
1: Your vision clears and you are able to take in the same things that I described to Frankie a moment ago. Uh,
4: uh, he- hello. Um, <clears throat> uh It's. We, we have two other companions. Um, we were all caught in the avalanche. Are they here?
1: The purple man only shrinks further at Karen's attempts to communicate. Seemingly not really understanding what you're asking he only pulls the pot from the fire and begins to pour the liquid into three metal cups that he produces from his pack he stands and grovelingly puts one of the cups in front of each of you before crawling back to his spot and sitting and and just seemingly waiting
4: oh th- thank thank you and i'm gonna try that again in dwarvish
1: he still doesn't understand you he will not look you in the eyes anytime you talk to him he kind of shrinks and like looks at the ground there's no response to what you're saying
4: Ugh. is karen kind of how how she looking has her has her wounds been kind of bandaged or is she still slashed you know are the slashes still open
1: no your wounds have been touched up mm. same with you frankie mm-hmm. and like obviously you have been pulled from like if you look behind you there's like a small trail where you were obviously in the snow and this person has like pulled you closer to the fire and covered you with a blanket and like touched up any wounds that you might have had
4: oh that's very nice, oh, that's um, nice. I will, i'm gonna go to the entrance of the cave and look out
1: It's literally like a wall of snow. You are 100% snowed in here. Um, You have no way of knowing how deep it is on the other side. There's like a broken piece of wheel that's kind of sticking out of the snow, which means you must have been carried along with the pieces of of broken cart, but this is not the way out. (sighs)
4: I'm going to turn back to the the little green. He's not green. Green. (laughs) He's purple. He's purple. I'm going to turn back to the little purple guy, and I'm going to... uh, experimentally kind of pull the necklace out and just kind of have it outside my clothes.
1: Your amulet? Yeah. Okay. His head is bowed and he's not looking at you. He seems afraid of you.
4: Mm. Just wondering if it's because of the amulet or because of something else.
1: You showing him your amulet when he's not actually looking at you is not making a difference. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. He does, though, like, pick up his cup And, like, hold it up to you, being like, drink? Oh, uh, of course,
4: darling. And she'll go back over to her cup, which he's already given her, and take a sip.
1: It's, like, salty and meaty and maybe broth or some kind of soup. Mm. And once you have your drink, he also starts drinking from his cup.
4: Mm, it's it's good. Thank you.
1: Roll history checks, both of you.
3: I was going to say, Frankie also drinks when Karen drinks.
4: Karen got an 18. Frankie got a
3: 12.
1: Karen, there have always been stories of elves who live far underground, Mm. dark elves or drow as the stories call them. Mm. You've never actually seen one before, but the description, you know, purple skin, white hair, pointy ears, the description lines up. In your youth, you can remember the youngest miners would often be teased not to go too far into unexplored tunnels alone because the drow might abduct you and cook you up into a nice dwarf casserole. (laughs) They felt like silly stories meant to haze the newbies, but you always notice that the eldest among your group would never laugh at these stories.
4: So part of Karen's backstory is that she can kind of very badly speak Elvish because she went through a phase when she was like, Elves are really cool and I'm going to learn how to speak Elvish. And she tried to teach herself from books and she was really bad at it. (laughs) So (laughs) it's going to be something like, Hello, me, Karen you (laughs) but in elvish obviously
1: he does look up at you for the first time when you like speak to him directly although like he only holds your gaze for like a second at a time he still doesn't really seem to understand you but he kind of gets the gist that you're introducing yourself Mm. and he points at you and says cut
4: oh yes very good uh and and then she kind of tries to switch back to elvish and she says again uh, y- you name
1: he kind of shrugs at you and then he points to himself mm. and he says to telhein
4: to to uh it's it's lovely to meet you uh, oh, oh, gosh this is um <clears throat> uh me Friends? outside where Snow. <laughs> Ooh. And then she turns to Frankie and she says, "I've. It's, it's been a while. I i don't really know how to speak,
1: Elvish. Neither do I. <laughs> he can see you pointing out at the snow. Like, he can see you pointing at the exit to the cave. Mm. And he shakes his head, although he kind of flinches as he shakes his head, as though he's expecting some kind of like negative repercussion from you for disagreeing. Mm. And he points behind him, further into the caves, and he gestures like, you two, me, this way.
4: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Flynn. (laughs) Yep. You come to, completely unable to move. Thinking that you're still in the snow, you struggle for a moment before you realize that you actually feel pretty warm. You are encased in woolen blankets, not snow. <laughs> you open your eyes and you look over and you could see Ido sitting nearby, also wrapped in blankets, shivering, but otherwise okay.
0: So I'm still feeling pretty sore, but I kind of like lift my head up a little bit to try and look around wherever we are, a bit more past Ido and around me.
1: Roll perception. Eight. Okay. You don't get much. You are further down mountain than when you were before, whereas before you were like looking kind of like up at the peaks now you're kind of like looking up at like the bottoms of the mountains or like the midway parts of the mountains you are sitting amidst like just a nice big gently sloped bit of snow you're probably sitting on top of what is now the settled avalanche (laughs) Idafa is sitting near you wrapped in blankets and awake but you know not eating or anything and the only other thing that you can see near you is some kind of sled hmm
0: I, I go to Ido, psst,
2: I have What? Where the heck are we? Whose blankets are these? Son what? Why would I know? Good question.
1: <laughs> you hear footsteps approaching you from behind, <laughs> uh, and you hear a voice say, right, you're both awake. <laughs> the others aren't here. I've checked for hours. Oh. On your feet. We need to move or else we'll all freeze to death.
0: Oh, I thank you for your warm blankets, sir, but... Uh, who are you?
1: <sighs> I have business with one of your companions. I'll leave it at that. You can call me Alicast for now. Nice to meet you. I'm Flinva. I'm Ido. You had three more. They're not here under the snow. That means they're under the rock. You won't find them here. Let's move. What do you mean, under the rock? I think you'd ask less questions of a kind stranger who dug your sorry asses out of an avalanche. Let's get moving.
2: Hmm. Otto, like shakily stands up, tugging the blankets closer to him. Just like, all right, let's go.
1: <laughs> Alacast hands you both like a a piece of some kind of like meat strip. <laughs> By the way, this is a female. This is a female dwarf. Oh, oops. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't announce the gender or race or anything before, but this is a this is a female dwarf. They have a fairly short beard, uh, blonde hair, and they hand you these pieces of meat and they say, aye the Jerky this should warm you right up but don't blame me for what happens when you pass it
0: oh uh, thank you very much
1: and Alakast grabs the rope that is attached to the sled it has like random bits and pieces on it you can see like some extra coats small barrel that looks like it might have food in it and they pick up the rope and they drag it behind them as they head off expecting you guys to keep up
0: Flynn kind of looks at her and he shrugs and he's like
2: should we uh mm. yeah we just we'll follow her
1: You notice that Alakast is not well-dressed and their belongings kind of seem like ramshackle and cobbled together, but they are moving with purpose and they have, you know, rescued you when they could have left you in the snow. So better than wandering around by yourself, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, totally. Better indeed. I turn to Flynn. I'm like, Flynn, do do you have any more of those health
1: potions?
2: I do. I've got one left. Can I have it? Yeah, definitely.
1: Oh, thank God. Roll 1d8 plus 2 healing.
2: Four, okay,
1: that'll keep me going for a bit.
4: Nice.
1: You made a mistake coming out here. Nothing for outsiders at the forge but disappointment and hypocrisy. Sounds like a Monday. What are you, a poet? No, I'm a revolutionary.
2: (gasps) (laughs) A revolution
0: about what?
1: Ah, you'll find out when I find the rest of your team.
2: That sounds mildly threatening, but okay.
1: Alakas doesn't seem to be following a set path, but they're kind of moving from high point to high point. They'll climb as high as they can, uh, they'll drop their, you know, drop this sled, they'll climb a rock and they'll kind of look around the terrain for something. What are you looking for? An opening. All through these mountains, caves and tunnels stretch out forever. Some natural, some dug by gullible fools. Some a little bit of both. The remaining members are down there somewhere. We just have to find them before the beast does.
0: What beast? The
2: Yeti? Aye. God, he's just going to be more angry now. we burnt a Yeti a little
1: bit. Your others. The others that you have with you. Tell me about them. What are they like?
2: Great.
0: <laughs> There's a dwarf and a human.
2: I miss
1: them. There's There should have been three. Oh. I heard three. There were two tieflings, a halfling, a dwarf, and a human.
2: Oh, yeah. Our tiefling friend. Uh, good. G- What was his name, Flynn? Uh,
0: Globals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is why we take notes, so that we don't say Globals (laughs) in the podcast. (laughs) Isn't
0: it Globals? (laughs) That's what I wrote it down as.
1: It's Gleebles. Oh, Gleebles. (laughs) Gleebles. Are they friends of yours? What are they like? Well,
2: one of them's a surrogate (laughs) mum. And the other one's... A bit of a dingus, but he's cute, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it.
1: That's the that's the dwarf then, your your second mother.
2: Yeah, she's a she's a dwarf. Why?
0: Why?
1: Just wanted to know.
0: We're we're colleagues at a paper company. Oh, uh,
2: also that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't a hundred I don't know what that means, but alright.
2: <laughs> this is great. You've never been to the city, have you?
1: No, I've mostly lived near the forge my whole life. Hmm. Digging and putting into buckets and emptying buckets and digging. There's not much more to it than that.
2: It sounds like you've led a very interesting life.
1: <sighs> I'm on your side. Don't much prefer it. But as for the rest of them, they can't get enough of it. Work is all they know.
2: Is it some sort of cult? Because that sounds wrong.
1: I agree. Ah, here we go. Alakas says, uh, finding a crevice that leads directly down into the earth. She mutters a few strange words and then throws a small stone down into the blackness. It clatters almost immediately, letting you know that it doesn't go down very far. Onwards, into hell, Jeez. she says, jumping down. After a second, there's a flump and a short scramble. Down you come. I'll catch you.
0: Huh? How do we know i if- we'll be able to meet up with our friends down
2: here. And I just give Flynn a little push. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Right.
1: Karen and Frankie. Hello. You've been following Totelhain through winding caves, uh, swapping between natural gaps in the rock and what looks like dug tunnels, each of which are occasionally lit by more glowing mushrooms. Your guide appears to have an overall direction in mind, uh, whenever they're faced with multiple choices, they seem to choose pretty quickly.
4: Karen, ask him where we're going. <laughs> okay, um, mm, I'm not even sure if he's understanding the Elvish. I've I've heard that the Deep Owls speak something different, but, uh, pl- please, uh, okay, and this, and this will be in Elvish. Uh, please, please, we're going. Please, we're going. We're going, please.
1: Uh, Total Heinz stops. Uh, seemingly reacting to something. They feel around with their hands before uh, stepping deliberately like into something that they've felt. They then go into one of their pouches, pull out a small notebook, and start flipping through it. Stopping on a certain page, they set the book down and begin making hand gestures and speaking uh, very specifically.
4: Uh, Karen will stay
3: silent and watch. Can I do an arcana check to see if I know what they're doing?
1: Go ahead. Roll me an arcana check. Twenty-two. Yeah, it looks like they're casting a spell. They appear to have felt something and then stood in a very specific spot and then started casting a spell from that. It feels related to what you felt when you were fighting the Yeti.
3: Okay, well then I wanna stand right up next to this person (laughs) and see if I could also cast a spell.
1: Okay. And when I say right next to them, you literally have to be like standing, hugging them to be within the same <laughs> yep. space that they are. Yep.
3: Cool. Yep. That's that's what Frankie would be doing.
1: Okay, I know I saved your life, but this is a little close for me. <laughs>
4: oh. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, h- hello. It's um, it's good to hear from you. Uh, uh my name my name is Karen. That that's Frankie. He means well. It's okay. He's personal space. It's not. It's not a strong suit. Totalheim Your name. Um. It's thank you for saving us.
1: I can understand you now. Thank you. Oh. Uh, Frankie, just letting you know, you can feel the same tingling that you felt before, but this is fast becoming awkward.
3: <laughs> yeah, Frankie's like, oh, cool, cool. You know when you do something like this and it's awkward, but it's almost too awkward if you like sort of back away but then it's too awkward if you stay there so Frankie doesn't really know what to do so he's just going to slowly like
1: back up and be like sorry magic excites me I do know what you mean because I recently met the mayor she walked up to me and I was like oh shit it's the mayor (laughs) so I stood up And then I found that my face was like five inches from her face and and I couldn't back up because all I could do was just sit back down. And I was like, no, that would be weird. So I just stood and had a conversation with the mayor so close. And she was like, I'm the fucking mayor. I'm not backing up. You back up.
3: So, so yeah, that feeling is what Frankie's feeling now. Oh my God. But he, 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 he backs up. He's like, sorry, magic excites me sometimes. and what he doesn't know (laughs) he just hangs his head down and just like backs up like walks backward not necessarily looking where he's going but just like
4: he's full of shame uh karen will kind of catch his hand and just kind of hold his hand while he stands there
1: males in your society are so similar to the males in mine
4: oh that's just frankie
1: He bows his head to you, Karen, and he says, When I found you, I was tracking food for my superiors. I did not wish to make you into that food, so I keep looking. I know there is a herd of goats nearby, near an exit to the caves. It is easy to feel on the flow of the air when so close to the surface.
4: Cool. That that sounds awesome. Um, we're actually looking for three more people. Two were also caught in the avalanche, and, uh... One of our one of our companions was uh, stolen away from us by a yeti of all things. Actually, what do you think of yeti meat?
1: I believe life is valuable. You should not cull a predator, only prey, because the ecosystem of this place, the chain of life, is important.
4: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Probably wouldn't taste good anyway. And Karen's gonna kind of awkwardly uh, <laughs> <laughs> clear her, clear with
1: her. Will you assist me in tracking this food, so that I might not be beaten for returning empty-handed?
4: Oh, I mean, of course, my dear. We wouldn't want our uh, our savior to be uh, reprimanded in any way. You you saved our life, isn't that right, Frankie?
1: And she's gonna kind of pull on Frankie's hand.
3: uh uh uh. uh yeah yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah.
1: You are different from other dwarves and other women who I have met. Hey. You are very kind.
4: Oh, well, you know, motherhood will do that to you. I was a lot more of a firecracker in my younger days, and she kind of goes, ha ha ha. ha. Uh, <laughs> let's find. Frankie also laughs awkwardly because <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> let's find those goats.
1: Wait. When I move, I will no longer be able to speak to you. Oh. So I will tell you now there is danger ahead. Please be careful and take the exit when the opportunity presents itself. Okay. I will take my prey back to my party.
4: Okay. Hold on. Before you step away, what is it about that spot that makes you able to talk to us, Totelheim?
1: I am standing on a font. Magic is possible in this spot. Because the sacred stone left by Mother Loth exists below.
3: Oh, so you mean there's electrum
4: underneath your feet? There's electrum veins in this mountain. Yes. Of course.
1: I do not understand that word, but somewhere below exists magic. Mm. So above also exists magic.
4: How very exciting. (laughs) Maybe that's what you felt, Frankie, just before. Yes, and not puberty. (laughs) I mean, yes, yes, I agree,
1: yes. When we arrive, we are to catch my prey and then leave. Okay. Please do not disrupt the ecosystem that exists here. Many of your kind, and he nods at Karen, simply come down and destroy what is here and take anything valuable. This is a real problem for all who live underground.
3: Frankie just, like, shakes his head of disappointment at Karen. Like, mm, mm, mm-." she just shrugs at
4: him, like, "What am I going to do?" <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm just an HR. manager.
1: <laughs> we will probably not speak again. Thank you for being kind to me. I will not forget it.:
4: It was good to meet you, Totelhein. Thank you for talking to me.
1: And with that, Hotel Hein steps off the spot and continues down the path. And for the first time, when they look back to check on you, you don't see fear or sadness in his eyes.
4: Aww. Karen gives him like an encouraging smile, and she'll she'll follow along. She's still got Frankie's hand.
3: Frankie gives her like a thumbs up with the other hand. He doesn't know what to do in the situation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ido and Flynn. The leap down is not far, and, true to her word, Alacast catches you as you jump down. The area is a thin rock tunnel illuminated with a bright light. You think at first this is by the starlight shining through the gap you jump through, but as your eyes adjust you realise it's actually coming from glowing blue mushrooms that grow in abundance in this tunnel.
2: Oh, These
0: are sick. I <laughs> wonder if they're uh, pharmaceutical. Oh, my life.
1: (laughs) Go on, eat one, I dare ya. I wouldn't eat one of those if I was you. You'll be horribly sick. This far out, you'll almost definitely die. Good to know, thank you. (laughs) Everyone, all four of you, roll
2: perception checks. Damn, (laughs) Idafer got a 21. Uh,
0: Flinvar
3: got an 8.
2: Frankie got a 19. And Karen got a 15.
1: Okay, everybody except Flinvar. Idafer, you are about to follow Alacast in one direction when you hear a voice echoing uh, down the tunnels behind you. Uh, Frankie and Karen, you're just starting to feel uneasy about whether Total Hein is actually leading you where they say they are mm. when you hear a voice bouncing off the cave K- walls coming from ahead of you. I have told you a hundred times I am not a goddamn goat. See, look, the horns come right off. Wait, what is that? Mur- Murphy? Murphy? Uncle
4: Murphy? I mean, Gleebles? <laughs> is that you? And Karen will kind of start, um, going forwards at a a faster pace.
1: I keep listening for a little bit. Yeah, okay, you hear a strange grumbling roar, like a... And then you hear the first voice again, I don't want your mushrooms, okay? Businessman, not goat. Oh my God, this is how I die. (laughs) Wait, wait. Flynn, Flynn, do you...
2: I think that might be Murphy. Uh, let's go have a look. What's the worst going to happen, right?
1: Come on. And I drag Flynn. Alicast <laughs> <laughs> follows you. Uh, both of you, all of you, your tunnels lead to a large domed cave. This one carved, probably by a mining group sometime in the past. Uh, in the cave, all over, are white goats munching on the glowing mushrooms that you have seen. There is a large open mouth leading to outside on the end furthest away from you and next to that entrance sitting slouched inside some kind of clear magic bubble is a put out looking fire genasi yelling at the yeti who abducted him (laughs) who is dotingly trying to feed him glowing mushrooms through the bubble (laughs) for the last time no no sale no deal i don't care how much you want me to eat those i am not giving you any milk (laughs) go on murphy give him some milk I say loudly. Karen and Frankie, you can't see him, but you also looking at the same place that that the others are. You hear Idafer shout out, and Murphy kind of looks up and he's like, Idafer, is that you? Of course it's me. Come get me. This thing is trying to feed me mushrooms. And the Yeti uh, turns around at the noise. You can see it uh, looking around. I'm going to roll a perception check to see if it sees you. Ten. It did not see you. It is currently looking around. Sick.
2: Since it can't see me, I'd like to throw a dagger at it from the shadows.
1: Okay. Can you think of any reason why you might have advantage when it's, like, currently looking for you?
2: I guess the fact that it doesn't know where I am.
1: Mm. Could I do stealth? Yeah, roll me a stealth check. If you get over 16, then you can have advantage. Nice. All right. But the fact that you just announced yourself (laughs) means that you don't really have stealth. Damn it.
4: (laughs) Oh, for Not
1: quite. i might have given it to you if you were completely rolling on stealth but you did just be like hey i'm over here G'day. you roll me an attack roll for the dagger all right Eh, 18 yeah 18 does hit okay and i will say the yeti still seems to be in pretty bad shape like it has not had the time to heal from the last set of damage you did to it just like you guys haven't really had time to rest yet (laughs) Mm, okay five damage so you throw your dagger, and it hits the Yeti, uh, and the Yeti roars and starts charging over to which way the dagger came from. But then, out of nowhere, for you anyway, Idafer, a spear comes flying out of another wall and hits one of the goats. What the hell? Karen and Frankie, Totalheim has just thrown a spear, at one of the goats and has darted forwards to try and collect the goat before the yeti notices but didn't know that idafil was throwing a dagger at the same time so he's actually charging right for where the yeti is currently charging for
4: okay karen is going to race forwards to try and intercept the yeti using ring of the ram
1: okay yeah go ahead and roll me an attack roll for that
4: okay please roll well (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Woo! that's a natural 20 baby
1: okay go ahead and roll double damage on that for me
4: thanks I will roll 4d12 and as well as that the yeti will be pushed back in feet equal to the dice roll and half distance for every side over large
1: it's huge so half distance
4: okay so it, it gets hit for 25 bludgeoning damage and it gets sent flying backwards 12-13 feet.
1: Yeah. So I was going to have you roll initiative for this but now there's no point because Karen, you like charge past Hotel and and run up, and like the Yeti is kind of coming at you on sort of a perpendicular line, and you just swing and like put your full power into it and just punch the thing, <laughs> and it goes flying into like one of the opposite cave walls and just sticks there, not even moving, just like embedded into the rock wall. Oh my god, <laughs> sick!
2: <sighs>
1: yeah,
3: Karen! Yay, Karen!
1: <laughs> and so, Idafer and Flynn, you guys see Karen. Karen? Frankie, you obviously saw that too because Karen was with you, but if Idafer and Flynn run out, then you'll see them too.
2: Yeah, I run towards Karen and give her a hug. Yeah, I
3: definitely run towards Karen. Frankie runs towards Ida and goes to give him a hug, but he goes to Karen first, and it's awkward. Oh no, no, no.
2: I, I grab Frankie as well as I see him run oh.
4: towards him. Oh, I'm like, oh, you guys are still alive! <laughs> it's a group hug! Karen grabs both of them as well, and she's kind of she's kind of getting, getting Flynn in on the action as well if he wants to come <laughs> in on it. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah go on.
2: <laughs>
1: Cut and stonecutter.
2: Oh, this is Alacast.
4: Oh, uh, <clears throat> El- Elikast, uh, it's a mm, pleasure to meet you. Yes, you have the uh, correct person. Although I believe you were here to see Gleebles, <laughs> if, <I'm, laughs> if, 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 if I'm remembering correctly. He did say we were meeting someone. It was you, correct?
1: Uh, I don't think that's who you mean.
4: No? Oh, I'm sorry. It's... I was just in an avalanche.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) I'm so glad I finally found you, Karen Stonecutter. Oh. Rumour travels faster than people, and as soon as I heard you were coming to the forge, i rushed out here to find you.
4: Why? Oh, you heard from the convoy. Karen, you know Ellicast? Uh... I have- we have not yet had the pleasure of being formally introduced. And Karen's kind of looking nervously at Ellacast.
1: Has that shiny new name gone and made you soft? Don't you recognise your own flesh and blood? (sighs) Wait! What? I have big plans for my name, but for the time being, Karat Goldseeker. Nice to meet you, big sister. travellers appear to have left us. Greetings, I am Total hein and I wish to thank you for listening to this story. One day, all we will be is simply a story. Do not let yours be lost in its first telling. This is all we can hope for.